0: Uh, Glenda and I went Friday night and uh, attended the uh, celebration singing for the life of uh, one of our members uh, aunt uh, Marilyn Jeter's aunt uh, Beverly Walker the minister's wife at the Wyoming Avenue Church of Christ and it was a beautiful evening I know yesterday was a funeral and I know it was difficult and we just uh, we grieve with you and uh, we're there beside you as you walk through this then yesterday uh, Dave uh, Kelly and uh, Keith and I were, had the time and were able to go up to the Waterford Church and attend a uh, leadership seminar uh, that they had up there that uh, Dr. Bruce McClarty, the president of Harding University in Arkansas, uh, presented to us. And that was just a, a rich blessing, uh, uh, the information that he gave. And we were able to be with so many brothers from many different congregations across the state of Michigan who came uh, to be a part of that. Uh, and now today we're going to have so many churches come here this afternoon and do the Bible Bowl thing. And uh, wow, it's wonderful. Uh, we had our youth up at Bristol Road for the uh, youth rally. Uh, and, and even Glenda went with them yesterday. <laughs> does that make you a teenager now? No. <laughs> but uh, she had a good time. Uh, you know, and, and that does bear on us. Uh, but I'm just reminded of a scripture from Isaiah, uh, those, who, uh, uh, those who wait upon on wings like the eagle, they shall run and not faint, they shall walk and not fall. Uh, we, we have to believe that. And, and during those busy times in our life, whether they be busy times of rich blessing, uh, times of grief, times of just trial, uh, the Lord is there for us if we will wait on him and follow him always. You know, oftentimes, the time we turn to the Lord is when we're in crisis, isn't it? Uh, that's the time we, we, we turn and we pray, Lord, help me! I need help! It could be a number of things. It could be a, a broken relationship. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be an illness. It could be a spiritual or a moral lapse. That was the case of King David, whose prayer to the Lord we read at the beginning of the service from Psalm 51. And don't get me wrong, those type of times are are really good times to go to God in prayer. I'm not saying don't go to God in prayer when you're in crisis. But I think we need to go to God in prayer even before the crisis hits. matter of fact, I love the fact that we call our prayer time during the worship service prayer and praise, because the Lord deserves credit for all these things. And we shouldn't just go to him when we want something. A relationship is a relationship because you're there to give as well as to receive. And we need to do the same with God. But it seems like in times of crisis we're drawn. And it seems like in those times we we ask for help, but we, we don't really think through fully the ramifications of what we ask God for. You know, we ask God, as David did, to create within us a new heart. But do we really think about what that means? It means change. It means starting some things differently, recreating. And recreation is not a gentle process. You know, Isaiah often uh, uses the illustration of the potter, the, the clay on the potter's wheel. And he says, we are that clay on the potter's wheel. But you know what happens when the clay gets a little out of form? You know what they do with it? They pick it up and they go, and they reshape it and then they start it all over again. Oh, that's what we're asking God to do. He's the potter. We're the clay. in me a new heart. Are we ready for that? You know, we want the joy of his salvation. But do we really accept the responsibility that comes with that salvation? Richard Pryor uh, was a comedian. He died in 2005, but he almost died back in the 70s in an airplane crash. Pryor prayed that the Lord would save him and that if he saved him, he would give his life to the Lord. Unfortunately, his life ended up getting ruled by drugs. And it's just an out-of-control life. We cannot serve two masters. We can only serve one. If we do try to serve two, we're going to end up, what did the Lord say? Hating one and loving the other. But we can't, we've got to choose. And God doesn't just want a profession of faith. He wants a life that is willing to get behind and follow him no matter what. You know, as we followed Israel over these past few months on their journey to... The problem was not an unwillingness to worship God, but it was an unwillingness to worship Him in the way that He said to do it. They wanted to give Him praise, but they didn't want to turn their lives over to Him. They wanted to... salvation that they had received from him, but they didn't want the responsibility that came along with that salvation. That responsibility to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and their neighbor as their That wasn't easy for them. And let's face it, it's not easy for us either. It's not easy for us either. We love to go to church. We love to hear the preacher preach, I hope. Uh, you know, uh, But to then... Love our neighbor as ourself? Well, I don't know, you know. I didn't really like the color they painted their house anyway. And, you know, their, their parties get a little loud sometimes and, and disturb my, my Saturday morning sleep, you know. Uh, uh, the, you know, whatever it might be. You know, their politics is a little different than mine. I'm not sure I can really love them as I love myself. But that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to do that, to truly open up our whole life to his authority. We're not sure about that, though. Our whole life? Come on, preacher. That's just not possible. Don't ask the impossible. Well, I'm not asking the impossible. God's asking us to do something that may be impossible for us, but with him it is possible. And we have to be willing to be changed in order for it to be possible in our life. But we're not sure. And so we hold back, and we hold back in so many ways. We hold back ourselves, we even hold others back from truly putting themselves in the will of their Lord and following Him. We do that with our children. You ever thought about that? How many of us are encouraging our children to become preachers, or to be preachers' wives, or to be missionaries? Hmm, okay. Uh, Yeah, that's a problem. Bruce McClarty talked about that yesterday in our sessions with him. How few ministry majors there are. Because their parents just aren't encouraging them to do that. They're encouraging them to go into business, make some money. Rod Dreher, in his book, The Benedict Option, notes this. We in the American church are facing a time of testing. Our testing may not look like the testing of what the church in China is undergoing or the church in Nigeria, but it is still a test. This antidote is more typical of the American church. This is a true story. A couple in a suburban Washington, D.C. church approached their minister asking him for help with their college student daughter, who felt called to go overseas as a missionary. The minister, when he heard that news, said, that's wonderful, and they said to him, oh, no, 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 you misunderstand. We want you to help us talk her out of ruining her life. Christians like that couple, won't make it through what's coming, the testing that's coming. Christians with sacrificial hearts like their daughters will, but it's going to cost them plenty. It's interesting to me that Christ, in giving us the Great Commission, did not say this, Send therefore workers to spread the gospel, making worshipers and baptizing them so that they can support the work of the missionaries. That's not what he said in Matthew 28, is it? No, he said, Go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Did you catch that last phrase? Teach them to obey what I commanded you. You know, sometimes I've heard it said that, well, that was just instructions given to the apostles, not to all Christians. What did Jesus say? Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So what he commanded to the apostles, guess what, folks? There are marching orders, too. The instructions and the commands he gave to the apostles are for all Christians. That's not how we read it too often. It's easier to send than it is to go. Remember the old hymn, "Send the light to bless the gospel light, let it shine." You know, but I, I think we've kind of it kind of set us up for some false thinking that we can somehow send it but not go ourselves. We can send the light but not be the light. We have to go. It's not somebody else's job to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. It's our job. You know, one of the things that I appreciate about our youth minister, Zach Shuey, is that he takes our youth after they're baptized and he studies with them four times, sometimes more. But why does he do that? Because he wants to help them to mature as Christians. He does another thing that I really appreciate. He brings along with him in those studies another young Christian, so that they can get the idea that the Christian life is not about sending someone else, accepting the salvation and doing nothing, but they get to go to work alongside of that, learning how to help mature other new Christians as they go through their life. Yeah, they haven't been Christians much longer, but they're getting to work, and I I appreciate that. You know, in baptism, we use the language of death to our old self. Burial with Christ and then resurrection to a new life in him. But have we truly died to the old self? Have we? Have we truly let that old self die? Have we truly left the old man in the grave, as we like to say? Or were, are we exhuming him like some zombie from the living dead? You know, uh, What are we doing here? What are we doing If we truly understand our Christian walk, we'd understand why we are called to take up our cross. How often? How often? Daily. And follow him. We have to die to ourselves. In verse 24 of our text this morning in John, the 12th chapter, Jesus uses a kernel of wheat as an illustration for the life that is pleasing to God. Unless that kernel is what? Buried. Falls to the ground. It will not grow. In the same way, he says in verse 25, we have to lose our life if we want to gain eternal life. Jesus uses a stronger term there. He says we have to hate our life in order to gain eternal life. He does this to reinforce how we are to live which he then explains in verse 26 by saying, Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. Here's where we really miss Jesus' from time. And where my servant, and where I am, my servant will be also. Where in this text in the story of the gospel recorded in the gospel of John. Where was Jesus? Where was he going to? Sometimes we don't ask these questions and we miss some really important meaning uh, in, in the gospels and whatever text in the Bible that we're reading. Where was he? Well, he had, in chapter 11, turned his face toward Jerusalem. He had turned his face towards that place where, where he would die, where he would suffer. He had turned his eyes to Golgotha, and every step that he took along the path led him to more pain, more anguish, suffering, and death. And he knew it. And Jesus says that we are his servants. If we are his servants, then we too will be where he is. You know, instead, we try to talk our sons and our daughters out of living for the Lord and serving the Lord. We treat Christians that are on fire for their faith as if they're a little mentally ill or at best misguided folks who will eventually grow out You know, we react to persecution like it is the most surprising thing that we could ever imagine as a Christian to experience. Even though Jesus said, you will be persecuted matter of fact, you will be hated because of me. Because people hate me. If we've been listening to Jesus, folks, we wouldn't be surprised about this at all. If we understood our walk with Christ to be truly with Christ, then sacrifice for our faith would be expected and it would be welcome. Yes, I use that term, welcome. You see... Paul in Philippians, the third chapter, verses 10 and 11, declared this. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection. The I want to know Christ. And for Paul, that meant walking with Christ and going through the suffering that is called for. For us as we walk with him. Do we want to rise with him on the Judgment Day Church? Do we? Yes, we do. Then we must be where he is. We must be willing to participate in his sufferings and in his death. Jesus came to suffer for our sins. And he calls us to join him. As the Hebrew writer says, outside the camp. There are a lot of false teachers in the world today, antichrists, if you will. But their message is sneaky. You know, they preach that Jesus came in the flesh. But then they ignore the implications of that by saying that the Christian life is all about material blessings. They preach a material heaven on earth rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will not knowingly preach that false gospel. I can only share with you what God has called us to do in his holy word. And that is to live our life in Christ. To seek transformation into his image. So that others may know Jesus. Know him as their savior. Know God as their father. And know the Holy Spirit as their guide through this life. In 1967, a student named Libby attended a gospel meeting with her boyfriend, Tom. During the final night, they both submitted their lives to the Lord. For 30 years, Tom and Libby served in Afghanistan providing vision care to the people of Kabul through that seemingly endless war. In August of 2010, Shortly after conducting a two week medical camp in a relative valley in northwest Afghanistan, Tom and his medical team were ambushed and killed. Upon receiving the Presidential Medal of Freedom for her husband, Libby said this Although Tom was killed in 2010, he had already surrendered his life to God's purposes way back in 1967. For four decades, Tom had submitted himself to his divine master. In a sense, Tom Little had already died. In the life that he lived, he lived through Christ. And in matter of fact, even though his physical life was taken to him on that road in Afghanistan, he still lives on in Christ Jesus. That's the hope that we live by, isn't it, church? Then we need to make sure our life matches up to that. That we follow that path. Jesus said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. We're about to sing a song. We call it an invitation song. And it is an invitation for all. For you who are considering Christ as your Savior, and for those who have already accepted Him as their Savior. For you who have not yet accepted Christ and become a part of him, this invitation is For you to join a cause that is greater than yourself. Greater than this life itself. A cause that is worth giving up everything for. And I think Linda would say along with me that it has been worth everything that we have given up in order to pursue it.